just a quick warning that we will be discussing the most intense things ever. So there's going to be talk of murder, abuse, very, very toxic masculinity, maybe toxic femininity, uh, sexual abuse, child abuse, pedophilia, torture, hooks, blood, weird patriarchal conceptions of virginity, Eve, and how every single thing is apparently her fault and she's ruined the world. So, so much stuff. So this episode is definitely not a light one. And if you're sensitive to any of these topics, please skip these episodes. Mercy me, the night is long. Mercy me, the night is long. Welcome to A Hopeless Endeavor, a Joanna Newsom podcast. My name is Nikki. Sam is also a lovely co-host. And uh, welcome to part four of our rambling, scrambling discussion on Go Long. We hope you guys enjoy. Without further ado, let's just do it. Um, okay. Where are we? Oh, yes. Do you know why my ankles... Yeah. The enunciation yeah. is so good. Yeah, it, it really. I, the w- abounding gauze. Yes, I was listening <laughs> to the way that she sings it today, and like it is so emotion filled and also like distinct. <laughs> I also just feel like I can sing more like her if I do crazy things with my face. You can. That's a real thing. <laughs> I don't think you're making that up. I feel that exactly. I know what you're talking about. Uh, like if you're singing casually you don't do it but if you're in the mirror and you can like god yes, <laughs> yes <Sick> man <laughs> and you watch her singing and she's like doing this like oh yeah step, you're like, no, all... i get it you have to yeah, <laughs> yeah. the only yeah. way to make those sounds that's how you get there that's how you get there <laughs> all right i will let you read this next verse if you are ready okay Okay, so that brings us to one, two, three, four, five, six verses in. Oh, okay, now we are at a question. <laughs> Do you know why my ankles are bound in gauze? And then in brackets, sickly dressage, a princess of Kentucky question. In the middle of the woods, which were the probable cause? We danced in the lodge like two panting monkeys. And which were the probable causes also in parentheses, right? Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. This last part of the verse fucks me up because I like in, in a different way than the rest of the, it fucks me up because I don't know. I don't know it. I don't know what's happening. Mm-hmm. I don't know why there's a lodge or the woods or monkeys that are panting. I mean, I just want to talk about monkey and bear forever and yeah. be like, is our narrator realizing that, like, there's a little monkey in all of us that, like, uh, which is, like, horrible and not a nice idea at all. Um, I think I saw in Genius that someone was like, this is just about sex. And I think that that's really valid, too, because mm-hmm. um, that's what their marriage was about. Like, there's the scene in the Angela Carter story where Ugh. he talks about hanging... Um, the bloodied sheets from them consummating the marriage outside the castle window for everyone to see. Um, I think he's like, I'm not going to do that because like, I don't care what the village people say. It's like, oh, thank you so yeah, much. Great. <laughs> what a great favor. You're such a generous And as man. you say, what the village people would say, it just takes oh, me back yeah. to how long we spent talking about that and being like, what are they saying? What yeah. do you mean? Yeah. Um, I think the sex thing is super valid too. Like the panting is just like, yeah, come on. How are we going to not yeah. think of it? The only thing I, so the, I don't know what the, the lodge is. I really don't know what the lodge is, but the only thing I could think of for monkeys is like the monkey see monkey do like monkey mm. imitation sort of um, association where like I'm a woman and you're a man. And we both learned how to do this by like imitating those around us and like what we were taught. And like, we are just fucking falling into these roles that we were in some way born into. And like, now we're just <sighs> fucking <laughs> uh, in these roles. 
Yeah, and I think that like impersonation at this point is also a really valid survival mechanism. Yeah. Like, I'm going to wait and see how you're feeling before I do anything because I need to play off of you so that I don't end up in the cavern with all of these other women. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just looked up Lodge, too. I'm like, very quickly, um, Lodge as a symbol for morality and virtue. Hmm. Which I guess could make sense here. Just kind of like uh, considering the morality of his actions. But I don't know about that. I don't know. I don't understand. And like why were the middle of the woods the probable cause? Like I was thinking maybe middle of the woods is like solitude again. Like sort of similar to like the way the palace is isolated. But then like why were they the probable cause? I don't know. The woods themselves yeah. as being the probable cause. In the middle of the woods, which were the probable cause. And the cause for what? The cause for them having sex? Like For all of this? For all of it? Yeah, right. What's the know. scene that we talked about forever where the deer are coming through the forest? Yes, in, in California. Is that what it's from? Yeah. yeah. Advance the tallow colored wall-eyed deer quiet as gondoliers. As I wait all night for you in California. I mean, I also think just off the top of my head of the woods as being like um, the land of milk and honey that mm. bear and monkey were purportedly heading towards. Um, and maybe we could apply that here too, just with the idea that like um, the young bride was looking for something better, was looking to... Um, I don't know, break the cycle of wherever she was from. And this was an opportunity to do that. And how can you say no? And he knows you can't say no. Yeah. Like, how do you say no to that opportunity? Yeah, I could see that too. I like the, you're having called it back to, I mean, both the, cause like we did get like a very wooded scene in Monkey and Bear. And then like, yeah, the deer scene in, in California, and not just the deer scene, but the told you would reference. Yes. Um, yeah. So it could maybe be talking, or like maybe like same vibing there, where like, yeah, she met him in the woods or something. I don't know. I don't know. The, they had the told you would. Woods. Yeah. <laughs> we can just leave it at that. Um, okay, what else is happening in this verse? Uh, Samir, who sent us an incredible voice memo, um, and I don't know if this idea came from that voice memo specifically or if it was a post on Facebook or something else from Samir, but they had said, they had connected very succinctly the idea of um, why are my ankles bound in gauze to the line from only skin mm -hmm. come across the desert with no shoes on, and that just like, blew my mind um and i wonder if we can reference it to like just finding yourself in the same kind of desperate place yeah um i i, I don't know i think that i i really like the idea that or like for me the comparison um is really apt if i think about in only skin the crawling across the desert with no shoes on um is is for him it is for the sake of him that she's willing to like do this very painful thing and mm -hmm. even though we're not told explicitly and go along that this is what's happening it very much feels like she's asking him for a reason like hey do you know why my ankles are fucked up like it's because of you it's because of what I've been having to do for you and I think that I, I have a vague memory of talking about this last time maybe a little bit but I, of course, like glommed right on to the idea that she's comparing herself to a horse here. Um, oh, yes. Because of like all the horse shit we've talked about and no provenance yeah. and possibly in you and me best. Um, but uh, how much do you know about dressage, Sam? Only as much as I Googled. <laughs> and, uh, my note literally says it's like very pretty and controlled and specific horse dancing. Yeah, that's like kind of what I found too. I, I am trying to be like 
non-judgmental about it but it is the weirdest thing to me like I just I don't I'm not a I'm not a horse equestrian sport person so I don't know very much about any of this shit but like just watching videos of dressage I'm like why is this a thing that people spend so much time on but it is just like whatever it's like anything else Nikki it's fine so like just like very precise movements and like you know walking in a circle in a very precise way and like galloping or like trotting in like very precise ways or doing little walks where your feet go closer together than they normally would or by yeah. your feet I mean the horse's feet but yeah but I one of the things I had read in the description I think on Wikipedia was just that like you're supposed to, like the overall show like the impression is supposed to be that with very minimal effort the rider can like make the horse do whatever the rider wants without there being like this big show, like this big indication that like I am, right. perf- I'm commanding you to do this thing. It's like this very like subtle, like me and the horse are just one and the same. And yeah. it made me think that here she's compare maybe this is my theory where she's comparing herself to the horse here and maybe he's the rider and she's been having to like do all these fucking tricks and like yeah. walk on eggshells and like, try to read his fucking mind like he's not giving these big signals as to what to do next she's just like sort of interpreting like him flinching in a certain way as being her cue to do to perform her femininity for him and uh and I looked up too, like why why are the dressage horses ankles always wrapped or like often wrapped and it is just injury it's just like straight up their ankles get fucked up from doing all this shit and so like she's asking in my interpretation here like, have you wondered why my ankles are bound in gauze all the time? It's because I'm fucking dancing around for you. And so yeah. to bring it back to what Samir had said, like, <laughs> it's me giving myself up for you and specifically my body up for you. And like, you don't acknowledge that you're not even giving me like the credit for it. Yes. And I love all of that so, so much. (laughs) But especially that the type of dressage that we're mentioning here is a sickly dressage. So it's no longer like to me, that's just like the lines are getting crossed. Like it's no longer like a pretty um, unified, like teamworky kind of movement. It's like very weak and unwilling and really just kind of sad like I'm barely Um, able to do this anymore yeah and like all of my ankles whether I'm a horse or a person (laughs) they're bound in gauze like this is clearly not going well for me yeah I'm hurting yeah this is a really difficult dance to try and do to like move at the whim of all these invisible wants that you have yes Um, to try and check all those boxes on your list without knowing what the boxes are yeah Um, exactly all for you yeah and your fucking Um, desires I think Melissa had some line that I of course lost my mind over where she just said I think it was Melissa where she said like men are the arbiters of desire in our society and like this song gets to that that like we have to pay attention to what they want in a way that is not true in the opposite direction. Yeah. Um, yeah, go ahead. Someone on Genius had just mentioned, and I really loved this too. Um, the user had said, uh, they had talked a little bit about like how uh, these horses are treated and how that's not always in a very uh, kind way because of the nature of the sport, um, but that these horses who are tempor- temporarily glorified and then literally discarded once their performance Aww. legs. And that is exactly what Bluebeard is about. Yeah. Like the performance is like this really fucked up display of trust with these keys or this egg uh, that's a trap yes and once you fail that test once your performance legs in that way like that's it yeah you're out yeah uh you're expendable it's terrible you're expendable yeah um i'm also really interested in the contrast here between a princess of kentucky and a princess of india from before 
And yes. I don't really know what to make of it exactly other than that like a princess of Kentucky sounds so much more, I don't know, like you get, for me at least, I get the vibe that like the princess of India was like a real fantasy that you could like yes. submerge yourself in and like be totally like present for that opulence and lushness and lavishness and just like sort of be fully in it. And like here we're getting her like peeling away from this facade or this like relationship that like is not all that great and so like a princess of Kentucky is a lot more to me at least acknowledging like the realness and the non-glamour of life with this partner uh, yeah yeah I'm not sure and like just Kentucky and horses there's horse shit that happens in Kentucky I think yeah the Kentucky Derby <laughs> which was mentioned on Genius, and then I think I read, it must have been on Genius, too, that someone mentioned that, like, in the Carter story, our narrator is also kind of troubled by this, like, overbearing image of all of the past wives, and uh, same with our, uh, same with Sally from Bluebeard's Egg, that, like, because you don't know them, there's, like, this idea, mm. and I think even in the Carter story, one of the wives was mentioned as having been descended from Dracula. Yeah, that's So right. there's, like, <laughs> this very strange, like, standard to live up to because yeah. these wives were in the good graces of Bluebeard and because of that are compared to princesses of India while our much smaller narrator <laughs> is only the princess of the state of Kentucky. Yeah. Um yeah yeah no that's a great point and yeah the bigness and smallness also like the east west obviously themes yeah. that have been happening um yeah i think that's okay i have i have one more horse thing yeah we can move through it very quickly because it's a bill <laughs> callahan uh smog song oh reference. man i break horses I break horses. I know i i was thinking about that in this and i know like oh fuck I know. Uh, it crosses a line where we were like, we're not going to talk about this, but, but I'm just going to read the lyrics of the song very quickly, which are, I break horses. I don't tend to them. I break horses. They seem to come to me, asking to be broken. They seem to run to me. I break horses. Doesn't take me long. Just a few well-placed words and their wandering hearts are gone. At first, her warmth felt good between my legs. Living, breathing, heart beating flesh, but soon that warmth turned, turned to an itch. itch, turned to a scratch, turned to yeah. a rash. Gash, which is, gash or rash? I don't gash, know. Gash, yeah. I think, yeah. Which is just like beautifully, uh, horribly comparable to uh, what I would imagine like Bluebeard's perception of these women. Is. like yeah. it's not my job to take care of you it's my job to break you yeah in all of these awful ways I am so into that comparison because I also thought about that too and I was like I wonder if this is a coincidence probably fucking not but also I was like oh fuck I don't know I know we, we don't have to talk about it anymore <laughs> but I was just like oh maybe uh, oh. yeah did you did you mention this line too from the Carter story, I saw him watching me in the gilded mirrors with the assessing eye of a connoisseur inspecting horse flesh, or even of a housewife in the market inspecting cuts on the slab. No, I don't think so. It's like, it's like from the scene where she watch, she walks into that, that bedroom and is like, ah, there's a hundred of me and he's watching me and all these different versions of me. Like, um, I didn't pick up on that uh if I did read it last time like the horse reference mm. but super interesting yeah. uh Jesus yeah. yeah this objectification or I guess like animalification of women in these stories is, uh it's there oh it's there yeah yeah this awful awful incredible song it's so good sam it makes you feel <laughs> all the things i know it's one of my favorites yeah, like uh, you know it is it is 
Hi, everybody. It's Nikki here. Uh, I just wanted to make a quick, like, editor's note so that this isn't too confusing. Sam and I ended the recording session uh, that we were on right here. So uh, we didn't really know exactly, like, how long each episode would be and stuff. So we do, like, another intro <laughs> to this next bit of Go Long that we're going to keep talking about. But I'm just going to include it all in the same episode. So we're going to do an intro again, apparently. Uh, so just uh, bear with us, I guess. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of A Hopeless Endeavor, the podcast. Um, this is Go Long again. My name is <laughs> Sam. And my name is Nikki, and we are recording for the third time. <laughs> on go long because it's impossible to stop talking about it so hopefully there's at least one listener who's with us still yes and if that's you thanks for hanging in there <laughs> thanks for hanging in there for sure so yeah we don't know what part this is gonna be part 100 probably mm -hmm. um but we were gonna start this recording this episode with samantha bringing you all a poem. So this is one of the posts that um, is on Blessing All the Birds. Um, I'm just going to find the name of it quickly here. Um, it's a poem by Edna St. Vincent Millay, and it's called Bluebeard, and this is the sixth sonnet. And the uh, corresponding post on Blessing All the Birds is... Ah, Go Long in Bluebeard by Edna St. Vincent <laughs> Perfect. Aptly titled. <laughs> so, I don't think we've read this yet. I feel like we've referenced it a few times without reading it. So, here we go. Bluebeard, Sixth Sonnet, Edna St. Vincent Millay. This door you might not open, and you did. So enter now and see for what slight thing. You are betrayed. Here is no treasure hid. No cauldron, no clear crystal mirroring, the sought-for truth, no heads of women slain, for greed like yours, no writhings of distress, but only what you see. Look yet again. An empty room, cobwebbed, cobwebbed and comfortless, yet this alone out of my life I kept, unto myself, lest any know me quite, and you did so profane me when you crept unto the threshold of this room to-night, that I must never more behold your face. This now is yours. I seek another place. Hmm. So, obviously, uh, very well tied to the uh, tale of Bluebeard and uh, shares many aspects with Go Long as well. Um... Oh, this uh, Blessing All the Birds post is by uh, either Rachel or Melissa. Um, I think it's by Melissa, but the idea from the poem maybe came from Rachel. Um, oh, and it's just a very short one. But uh, we will come back to this. I just wanted to read it because um, I don't think we had yet. I don't think so either. I love in that poem how there's this twist where it's like, you found nothing. Like, look what you betrayed me for. Mm -hmm. It was nothing. There's, like, no find there in the way that there is in the original Bluebeard story. I love the line, too. And you did so profane me when you crept under the threshold of this room tonight that I must never more behold your face. Yeah. Pretty daunting. Um, okay. So I believe we ended the last episode with the Kentucky verse. Um, um, yes, with the Kentucky verse. Yes. Do you want to read the next one for us if you have it? Sure. So the next verse, she sings, I will give you a call for one last hurrah. And if this tale is tall, forgive my scrambling. But you keep palming along the wall, moving at a blind crawl, but always rambling. 
<sighs> I love this verse. This verse gets back to that sort of like frantic um, vibe that was in the You Burn in the Mekong mm-hmm. verse, uh, which I really love just like the vacillating between this like high frequency frantic whatever rhythm to it mm-hmm. and and the calmer ones. Um, what are your thoughts on this verse, Sam? It immediately makes me think of, and I think it's the line from in California when we were talking about like the kind of like oscillating with anxiety as our narrator waits for their partner to show up or not to show up. And this verse gives me the same um, kind of frantic, anxious vibe as that one. Mm. Um, not to say at all that I understand it because I, I don't. <laughs> I, this verse like really speaks to me, but in a way where like, I feel like this is like with so much of, I've said this so many times I feel like, but like in a way that I don't, can't totally like articulate, but I get the vibe here of just, I mean, first her saying for one last hurrah is already so, uh, she's like given up, you know, like Mm -hmm. she is acknowledging that this is over. And yet like, she's like, I want to see you though one more time. Also the uh, recurring theme of like, I will call you. I called for you. Yeah. uh, When I called you you little one, like all of those calling things, it makes me think of here, I'll give you a call for one last hurrah. Um, yeah. And then I think I, to me, uh, there's this vibe that is similar to the line to the verse, a couple verses back where she's talking about, uh, da, 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 like who, made you this way who's gonna bear your beautiful children you think you can just stop when you're ready for a change who will take care of you when you're old and dying I get the impression that she's sort of recalling that thought here where she's like you're you keep rambling from like person to person like Mm. you can't fucking sit still and like even though you're like moving at a blind crawl even though you're like sort of making your way through all these women whatever like slowly or like almost imperceptibly like I I can see that you're still doing this I'm not sure so rambling can mean a bunch of different things right like I first took it to mean um like you don't shut up like you just keep going and going and going and either like trying to like in the context of this song like either um because at this point I guess we haven't found the bodies yet. I'm assuming that's more correlated with like gilded with the gold teeth, but rambling as in like you're weaving this web with your words of what our life will be. And we saw that so clearly in the Angela Carter story where, you know, even when our Bluebeard character is giving uh, the young bride a tour of the palace and saying like, here's the kitchen, here is, I don't know, the piano room. Here is the first balcony, second balcony, third balcony, seventh bedroom. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, rambling can also... 12 al- mirrors. Oh, my God. So many mirrors. <laughs> um, rambling can also mean, uh, like, a big old rambling house, uh, which I think is really applicable here, too. Um, but so... I don't think I know that definition. Mm-hmm. What What is... What does it mean in that context? Just Uh, like sprawling? Spreading or winding irregularly in various directions. Ah. Uh, Similar to uh, trailing, creeping, straggling, vining, um, which I love. Um, Mm -hmm. I love in in the context too of like our young bride at this point in the Bluebeard tale doesn't know any better and is likely to with her husband gone, try to dig some like genuine roots in this new place that she lives. Um, I like that in the context of vining and also just like the idea of being in, in such a giant space, like the Angela Carter, um, story takes place in like, um, I think she uses a fucking palace palace and uh, to have so much space to yourself after coming 
from a place where you didn't would be so overwhelming. You would feel so small and yeah. um, I would assume lost and like, I don't know, that, you know, overwhelmed. Yeah. Yeah, definitely overwhelmed. So the, I'm just going to... um quickly look this up the definition of rambling I was going off or that I was had in mind was more like rambling gambler like oh hang on let me just um I got it from or like the my understanding of it comes from Bob Dylan shit mm. uh but uh so I'm just looking up okay so yeah the one I had in mind was more like to walk for pleasure typically without a definite route mm-hmm. um so like, yeah, in my head, it's just like a gambler, gambler that rambles from town to town. It's a line from uh, uh, House of the Rising Sun, but where you're just like constantly sort of moving with no particular aim, just like fucking, you know, going, just always going. And that's what made me think of like the, like, you're just non-committal. You can't like fucking sit still. Yeah, so that was my at least understanding of that line. I like that in two senses. I really like it as applied to um, our young bride who is alone in the house and is definitely wandering around trying to find her footing, um, trying to define what her role is in this palace. But also, as you said, like it applies to um, the partner uh, rambling from one woman to another from one body to another without mm-hmm. um without considering the consequences of what he's doing at all and that yeah. kind of um the violence that he's enacting on all of these people as he as he destroys them yeah and how like his mission isn't it's not just like how do i say this it's not just that he ends up rambling it's like that his whole purpose wasn't to like, he's not looking to find someone to settle down with. He's not looking to stay in one place. His whole purpose is just to ramble. Like that's his like mission statement is like, yeah, just keep moving through all these people. It's fine. Yeah. That's like always what my intention was. And Um, yeah. Yeah. And he concocts all of these scenarios to ensure that this keeps happening. Like by presenting someone with the keys to a door you can't open, uh, that you're not allowed to open, that you're forbidden from opening. You're guaranteeing um that you get to continue rambling doing whatever you want and i'm sure justifying it to yourself um yeah because you had laid out those rules yeah (laughs) i said to not yeah yeah exactly um i'm i'm really interested in like i so badly want to understand what she's referencing slash what she means when she says you keep palming along the wall Mm -hmm. so like i'm picturing like like someone who's like trying to feel their way towards something in the dark, you know, you might like use the wall as guidance. And I guess that's maybe that could be what she means. Just like, it's not like you can see clearly into the future. You don't have a grand plan. You're just fucking like taking it as it comes, you know, Um, going really slowly, but still moving. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. Did you have any other palming interpretations? It was the same, the same thing that you said, like feeling your way through the dark, um, which is also like in the most off-putting way, um, what I imagine, uh, the women in these, this cavern would be doing, um, as he's attacking them, like just trying to get out anywhere. And even in the um, uh, in the Carter story, isn't the hall to get to the locked room described as like really dark? I believe like so. she almost like kills herself by like tripping or something on the way. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, palming uh, also apparently means to to hide something, to keep something secret, to conceal something. Mm. Um, and, you know, we could apply that here so many ways too, right? Like he's concealing <laughs> yeah. the truth. He's concealing their bodies or their gold teeth. Um, yeah. 
concealing his intentions like mm-hmm. his true self too yeah I, I forget how much in the last episodes we got into like the true selfness and like because like I think that I, I'm sure I got this from one of Melissa's posts but I think that one of the themes in Go Long but also in at least some of the Bluebeard stories if not all of them is that like what the room the terrible room is representative of is the man's true nature Mm -hmm. that like um and so melissa i think frames it as uh you know the consequences for women of being curious about the man's true nature and how like it could be interpreted as a story of like hey women don't be curious like this is what you get Mm -hmm. um and so yeah, I, I like the idea that the palming could have that double meaning there of just like, look, I've been concealing my true nature to you. And like, I told you not to look. You shouldn't look. But like, also, it seems like a very natural curiosity to have about your partner's true nature. So, yeah. And something that you can't help but be curious about because you just right. fucking married them. Yeah. Like you- and he handed you the key. Yeah. 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 Uh, do you have thoughts about if this tale is tall? For me, it was like, (laughs) yes and no. Um, (laughs) for me, it was like the narrator questioning themselves. Like, um, if my comparison to you as Bluebeard is too harsh, like my bad, uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we need to yeah. reframe this. Um, is my memory, oh, and it's also in my mind related to the fact that we only get the one-sided perspective of this story. So like if my memory yeah. isn't serving me, feel free to correct me, feel free to give me your version. Um, but yeah. this is what I remember of our relationship and shit was not yeah. good. Um, yeah. What do you think? Yeah. I totally agree. I think it's our narrator being humble and like in this humility being like, look, I like totally could be wrong about this, but like, this is my impression. This is like my read on things right now. And, um, yeah, like, please correct me if I'm wrong, but like, if you're not going to correct me, this is the conclusion I've come to. Yeah. It also seems a tiny bit meta to me where she's talking about like tall tales and like, Bluebeard is the original story of Bluebeard is known to be or at least supposed to be like an exaggeration of the story of the actual serial killer. So I just like that sort of like wink maybe towards the fact that she's referencing a tall tale this whole time. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Also, this scrambling part reminds me of I scrabbled at. Mm hmm. Like a mute mm-hmm. at your chest, I scrabbled at your chest like a mute with my fists of ham. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though they're different words, it still reminds me of that same like uh, frantic. Um, what else? Palming also makes me think of like having discovered this chamber. Um, our narrator like palming her way through the dark to yeah uh, wash her hands first of all i know that's a scene oh in yeah the, that's right in the um angela carter story but also to wash the key of the yeah. blood that's right and in bluebeard's egg and in a few other traditional fairy tales it's not a key it's an egg I think in Fitcher's Bird, it is an egg. Mm. It's the German retelling. Um, ah, okay. Did last time, do you remember me having mentioned the Indian version of Bluebeard? Um, I, re- I don't know if you mentioned it. I think on the, like, the Wikipedia page, most of the art is from that version, but... I could be wrong. Is there something um, different about it? Well, it's very different. It's not like, okay, here it is. Uh, 
It's called, the Indian version of Bluebeard is called the Brahmin girl that married a tiger. And so, so yeah, I don't think I talked about this last I time, but I so. have all these notes on it. Um, so basically what happened is, I'm going to butcher this. It's been weeks since I read the original story, but uh, this girl marries a tiger who's in disguise as a man. And... Like, they get married. She thinks they're going to be all happy. They go away to an isolated place. And she's, like, talking to him. And the tiger, who's disguised as a man, is, like, sick of her talking to him immediately. And there's this famous line that I just really, really love from that story where he says, Be quiet, or I shall show you my original shape. Oh. Yes. Which, like, and then, like, you know stuff happens but like <laughs> that was the to me the, the most standout part was just that line and reminds me again of that nature my true nature stuff that that I was just talking about before and it's the same kind of test like yeah. if you don't stop talking this is what happens if you open the door this is what happens yeah, yeah. and both are like women asserting their not even independence but like having you know, a thought of their own. Yeah. So whether the thought be expressed vocally or the thought be to go explore this room that they've been told they can't go into. Um, yeah, but I thought that was really interesting. Um, so the Fitcher's Bird one is really cool too. It's a sorcerer. A sorcerer would take the form of a beggar to abduct young women as his would-be brides. After bringing the eldest sister of a family back to his home... He assured her happiness. The sorcerer leaves, but not before handing her the keys to all the rooms in the house and an egg to look after that was to be mm -hmm. on her person at all times. However, uh, obviously he forbade her to enter one room uh, in particular <laughs> in the house under the penalty of death. Ultimately, ultimately, the sister did investigate the forbidden room out of curiosity and discovered a basin of blood as its center. Shocked at the mm. dismembered body parts that existed within it, she dropped the egg. And the egg is bloodied. Um, oh, he gets a second sister to do it. Ah, oh, it seems <laughs> like the sorcerer moves through the sisters. So he does, I don't know how many sisters there are, but he, first one dies, let's assume the second one dies, next youngest one dies, and then he has the youngest sister, but the youngest puts aside the egg before exploring the house. Oh, and then she unites all the bodies, all the pieces of bodies, and brings the sisters to life again. That's sick. <laughs> That's a good ending. That's a way better ending than we've gotten with the other ones. Or a happier, I should say, a happier ending. I like that much better. <laughs> Finding Egg, eggness reminds me very much of fertility. Yes. Like, it's hard for me to not make that connection. Yes, oh, very much. Yeah like protect your fertility or something or protect like maybe your virginity. Yeah. Which is mentioned in the Angela Carter retelling too. I think we said this last time, but one of the goals of Bluebeard in that story was that, and it wasn't, I think it explicitly mentions that it wasn't his goal in the past to have his new wife be a virgin, but in this, um, this, his newest bride um, in the bloody chamber. He insisted upon her being so. Hmm. Um, yeah. And I think I remember reading somewhere that like key and lock symbolism, maybe, and like mm. blood on yeah, the yeah, key, yeah. like blood on the cock is supposed to be very, uh, you know, sex illusion-y. Yeah, and, like, is part of that contract of marriage at a certain point yeah. in time. Like, if the marriage is yeah. not consummated, then... What did we just... We ta oh, man. I just listened to um, the Marie Antoinette You're Wrong About. And yes. um, that was such a huge part of her marriage with her husband that he had something different about his penis that made sex painful and so they didn't oh. consummate that marriage for seven years and had to keep it a secret because if whoever found out that the marriage wasn't oh. consummated um i don't know they could attack or bad things would happen <laughs> that'd be a big deal would be a yeah big deal. they would need a new queen for sure 
Um, oh, it's so weird how invested people were oh. in the sex lives of the other people. Yeah, ridiculous. Ridiculous. Um, okay, that is all I have for this verse, at least. I mean, the Angela Carter story talks so much about the ancestral bed, the marriage bed. Um, that is a huge part of it, for sure. So I don't, yeah. I don't disagree with like the lock and key symbolism or the yeah. blood. Uh, on the egg as symbolizing something either. Right. And the idea too, that like the temptation is the key, like that the temptation is sex somehow. Mm. Um, sure. And like that, that could be betrayal. So like whether it be like the temptation to have sex with somebody else and that's how you betray the partner or just like the temptation to like get married and go have babies where having babies was like a dangerous thing for women for a very long time. Uh, and so maybe it's like, be careful who you marry because this sex and babies could kill you. Like literally, I don't know. At the end of the Margaret Atwood Bluebeard's egg, after our narrator, Sally has found out that her husband, Ed is cheating on her with her best friend. She's laying in bed and she's imagining the egg from, um, like the writing assignment she had gotten earlier. And she says, what she sees in her own heart in black and white, beating with that insubstantial moth-like flutter, a ghostly heart torn out of her and floating in space, an animated valentine with no color. It will go on and on forever. She has no control over it. But now she's seeing the egg, which is not small and cold and white and inert, but larger than a real egg and golden pink, resting in a nest of brambles, glowing softly as though there's something red and hot inside it. It's almost pulsing. Sally thinks mm. the egg is alive and one day it will hatch. But what will come out of it? And then my only note is the woman is alive. Divers. <laughs> God, Margaret Atwood can also write some shit. Man. Oh, man. She's so good. Yeah, that She's entire, so those short stories are so good. Um, uh, we could do an entire podcast. Oh, that would be so much should. fun. Where we, and I did this in the last three years, like reread everything she's ever written and apply it to Joanna Newsom, maybe if she doesn't I'm give so us down. an album <laughs> soon <laughs> yeah, enough. That's what we'll yeah. do. I'm so down. Um, okay, do you want to take on the next verse? Okay. So, our next verse is... Well, I have never seen such a terrible room. Gilded... Wait. I'm so sorry. Oh, it's not. It's not. It's not. I skipped that. ahead. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. It's not. It's okay. Um, our next one is Wolf Spider, <laughs> crouch in your funnel nest. If I knew you once, now I know you less. In the sinking sand where we've come to rest, have I had a hand in your loneliness? Oh my God. Yeah. Just slay me. That's so good. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh. Uh. Let's hear your thoughts about wolf spiders, Sam. Mm. Um, uh, the note I have is, as in the Edna St. Vincent Millay poem. What was I talking mm. about? Oh, an empty <laughs> room, cobwebbed, cobwebbed and comfortless, um, is a part of that poem. Um, and then I also have a reference to the Angela Carter one. Ooh. why what was it all is yours everywhere is open to you except the lock that the single key fits yet all it is is the key to a little room at the foot of the west tower behind the still room at the end of a dark little corridor full of horrid cobwebs that would get in your hair and frighten you if you'd ventured there oh and you'd find it such a dull little room but you must promise me if you love me to leave it alone it is only a private study, mm. a hallway, a den. Like, oh, you little girl, you will be so scared of that silly little room. If you enter, like, don't even let it bother you for a second that this place exists. You needn't, needn't carry that burden with you. Liar! <laughs> Liar! <laughs> uh, little girl. Okay, so uh. wolf spiders are opportunistic hunters with excellent eyesight which spoke to me in the way that we know our angela carter bluebeard character 
targeted uh, brides, at least with the latest one. Um, someone who is young, impressionable, vulnerable. Um, and then the a virgin, a virgin um, yeah. of lesser financial means yeah. than himself. Um, so opportunistic and very hunter-esque in that way. Yeah. But then also um, the idea of the funnel nest as, um, as related to the cavern where the bodies were found. Um, mm. And the note that I don't really understand reading now is the Russian nesting doll of Edward's mind. Oh, that's from... Oh, God. See, this is what happens when we record so far apart. <laughs> of Edward's mind. Edward is from Bluebeard's Egg. Bluebeard's Egg. So, hmm. While I look for that, what do you think of the wolf spider? I love the idea that the funnel nest could be alluding to the chamber. Mm. Um, I hadn't thought of that. And I was trying to fucking figure this out. The wolf spider stuff tripped me up for a little bit because, I mean, what I got on wolf spiders was that they, unlike all other spiders, I think, don't hunt with webs. They run down their prey, which seems like particularly terrifying Ugh. to me for some reason. Yeah. They just fucking, so they lurk in these like little burrows, like waiting for their prey to like walk by and then they just fucking chase it down and like gobble it up. Um, so that just leaves like an image. Yes. Um, <laughs> like a very predatory, I guess, vibe is what we're supposed to get. Um, but like also funnel nests, I only found related to birds. Um, so, I don't know if she's just being descriptive and talking about like a little burrow in the ground. Um, but I thought that was interesting. I just pictured this like little fucking spider crouching in a burrow waiting to pounce on the next thing that comes by, which obviously is connected or could be connected to the description of this dude that we've been getting who just like is, yeah, predatory. Um, I mean, that's fucking awful, but very um true to what we're talking about that it's like a chasing of prey by a predator yeah um the russian wooden doll was a reference to like the mind of edward in bluebeard's egg um the line is in her hidden world in her in her inner world is Ed, like a doll within a Russian wooden doll. And in Ed is Ed's inner world, which he can't get at. And I think just speaks to this, like... And I think it's true for all of the characters of all of the men, the male identifying characters in these stories that we've read, where it's like... Um, not really knowing what's going on beside behind the facade that they've put up. Um, yeah, yeah. And that... Um, what what did you refer to it as? I forget the term that you used. Uh, Just like the the nature of these men. That like is the hidden. human nature, like man's nature. Yeah. yeah. Uh, their true nature. Their true nature. Yes. And yeah. that's something that's true for um, Bluebeard in Angela Carter. It's very true in Bluebeard's Egg, Margaret Atwood. Yeah. Um, and I think also very true in Go Long. Me too. Yeah, totally me too. I also am, uh, like, I have a, a flag go up, I guess, at the mention of Spider here, because mm. it brings me back to Have One On Me, the song, yes. with there's a big black spider hanging over my door. Also, Lola's doing the spider dance. Mm -hmm. And it makes me like, this is just like probably a stretch and me just talking out of my ass. But I mean, as is the whole podcast, but um, it makes me think that like, look, she's referring to him here as wolf spider. She's saying like, hey, you wolf spider that I'm talking to. <laughs> um, it makes me think like maybe the threat the whole time was him. Like at the beginning of the album, she was talking about this threat as though it were an external thing to their relationship, I think. Right. Like Lola's doing a spider dance where she's like pretending to shake off all these spiders off of her. And then there's a spider hanging over her door that prevents her from going anywhere. And like 
it's this threat that is not him, is not Louis in that story. But here it seems as though she's like switching the focus. So if we're supposed to think of these spiders as these like scary, threatening things, she's like, look, it wasn't this external thing. It was you the whole time that was causing me this distress. I'm not sure if that's there in it or if I'm just sort of inserting my thoughts onto that. But I like that a lot as like a self-awareness of our narrator who has lost her mind, uh, you know, in and out throughout this album and um, kind of like an an awakening to like, no, 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 this was never me. It was never me doing this. It was always you. It is your fault. Um, This tale seems tall, but it's not. This is what happened. My perspective of this is correct. Yeah. Or even like the, like, like, I don't know. I can picture people in a relationship sort of having trouble throughout their relationship but being like oh this is because of the city we live in or this is because of our group of friends or whatever and then just like coming to realize like maybe it was us yeah like maybe it was that like this isn't working I I can't yeah I don't know yeah um quoi d'autre I knew you once. Now I know you less. <sighs> and it's that, that line makes me die. It's the if, mm-hmm. um, like if yes. I ever got to see the true you. Yes, um, which is up for debate. Yeah, it is a question. Yeah, I might not have known you. Yeah, which again might speak to the true nature stuff that we were talking about. Like, ugh, just that's so sad that that imagine someone saying that to you if I knew you once now I know you less like presumably someone who like there's this pretense that you do really know each other and she's saying like I don't though and like if I did at some point like now I'm at a point where I don't anymore which is really interesting because if you think about being in a really like tight relationship with someone how do you like then come to know them less than you once did unless the person changes significantly or like maybe you yourself change significantly. Yeah. I would say the latter yeah. um, in that sense. But I think it also has to do with the, the facade that this partner yeah. is putting up um, and maybe controlling how much our narrator knows about them. Um, yeah. You know, like letting tiny corners of themselves be shared, but never really the full picture. And then if you do see the full picture, just realizing, Oh, like none of that was true. Like this entire, my entire knowledge of you was a tall tale. None of this um, is actually as I thought it was. Yeah, totally. (sighs) It could also be too, like the way that she relates to him. Like, so it could maybe, I have no idea, but like be, an expression of like I know you less as in like I get you less now Mm -hmm. right like I at some point might have thought that I understood your motivations but like I don't I like I can't relate to you anymore yeah in that way I want to tie the sinking sand to the palming along the wall somehow too like a very slow descent into something um yeah my note here is sinking sand, like this plot that is slowly unraveling, like the realization has hit and we're stuck to play out these like predetermined roles that we've written for each other. Um, unless we like wake the fuck up and change it right now. Yeah. It just reminds me so much of just like doomedness. Like you're just doomed. Like we're stuck in sinking sand. If we, And, like, they've come to rest there. So they're both, it, like, brings to mind the image of them both just standing and not even really trying to escape the sinking stand. Mm -hmm. They're both just sort of standing there being, like, enveloped by the earth. Um, What do you make of her asking if she's had a hand in his loneliness? Um, I think to me it's just, like processing the relationship as a whole and questioning if you can truly place all the blame on one person. Um, uh, 
that our narrator is asking if maybe some of this is her responsibility, if some of this is her fault. Um, the note I have is maybe if the roles had been more clear, like maybe if you, each of you were more honest with each other with what your true self was, yeah. if we knew what we were really getting into, could we have stopped it? Yeah. Um, I also have like, is this a last minute plea for empathy? Like I'm, I'm, I'm here and I'm asking you like, have I had a hand in this? Is there something I can do as like a, a last resort to yeah. help cure you of this loneliness that doesn't seem to be going away? Uh, what do you think? Yes, I agree with that. Um, it reminds me too of, I feel like this thing that I was harping on about last episode or last recording, which was the idea that like, take these very extreme masculine and feminine dynamics where you have the masculine like coldness and shut offness and like non-communicativeness and this feminine like obsession slash dependence slash like um, nurturing wanting to please energy and you have you can picture like the woman in these stories being like hey like what's going on? Like, why are you cold? I want to know you. I'm obsessed with you. <laughs> and that more the man is confronted with that, like sort of needy dependence, the cl more closed off he is. And it's this like cycle that just like perpetuates where mm -hmm. the colder the dude is, the more the woman's like, well, what the fuck? Like I'm trying so hard to get to know you. Um, and it just makes me think of like, whether the woman here is questioning, like, have I had a hand in shutting you off to me like this? Like, mm. is my nature a part of the deal here too? It's not just that one of our natures is problematic. There's probably like some interplay uh, going on. And I think that makes a lot of sense thinking about, like a lot about, a lot of what we said about only skin and from what I remember, I think we said like, you know, the, the partner in that relationship was sleeping through so much of it, wasn't contributing, wasn't a participant, wasn't like an equal player in the relationship at that point. And it was our narrator who was saying like, Hey, I'm here. Um, like, let's do this. I'm ready. I'm willing to do yeah. this. Um, but you're fucking asleep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sleep. Yeah. You're like wanting to get high. You're like having a fever that I need to fucking come tend to. It's always her just being like, okay, like I'm going to make, I'm going to prepare everything to make this work. Yeah. To make us be ready. Yeah. But like, it's always the dude that has some kind of problem. Yes. Yeah. I think those are all the notes that I have for this one, but. Me too. Um, I feel like that's not enough. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like such a I big mean, verse it does feel like such a big verse and it's like s super important and so fucking emotional and you know what <sighs> it also makes me think of come across the desert with no shoes on um we were walking across the desert before and now we're in the sinking sand so assuming that we're referring to the same relationship now um, like I was trudging across that desert before to get to you and now we're both stuck in this sinking sand. Yeah. Um, I like that. The sinking sand that is just terrible and doomed and like, what are we to do? Mm -hmm. Yeah. There is this real feeling of just, um, dejectedness in this song. There's just no, like, in California, you got a bit of a dejected vibe, I feel like. And in Jackrabbits, certainly. But there was also hope in Jackrabbits, right? Where she was like, I can love you again. I can do this. I feel like go long. She's like, nope. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I loved you, but like, this is not happening. Alternate like, title. Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah. Um. Also, I'm like so nervous to get to the next verse because it has the best oh line but like one that how do we explain this 
there uh, was this contest on Instagram recently that I tagged Nikki in that was like this company that makes these like beautiful blankets and they were like uh, comment with a line of what you would want um, <laughs> like sewn into this blanket and one of the lines that both of us I knew we chose we chose was what a woman does is open doors. It is not a question of locking or unlocking. And obviously that is too much for someone to like add to a blanket, but it's one you of those what? lines. I love it. Oh. Yeah. It's funny. It's so good. Yeah. Man. Okay. So that about does it for part four of go long. Um, of course there's going to be a part five, but I think that will be the final part. So we'll be back with part five next week. Thank you guys so much for listening and for being here. Uh, we have a Patreon you should go check out. I will link to that in the show notes, but it's just a hopeless endeavor. Uh, there you guys can find early releases and some bonus episodes. We have an email that you should totally email us at <laughs> with your thoughts and theories and brilliant insights that you guys uh, always have. We really, really love reading your guys' thoughts about specific songs So and your voice memos too. So send us an email at a hopeless endeavor at gmail.com. Um, we have an Instagram, a hopeless endeavor podcast. We have a Facebook group. You can check that out. I think that's it for now. Thank you for still being here. If you're still here and we'll see you next week. Bye.